Part six of the Matchless Orinda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Poems by the most deservedly admired Mrs. Catherine Phillips. The Matchless Orinda. Part six. Poems fifty one to sixty. Fifty one. In memory of Mr. Cartwright. Stay, Prince of Fancy, stay, we are not fit to welcome or admire thy raptures yet. Such horrid ignorance benights the times, that wit and honour are become our crimes. But when those happy powers which guard thy dust to us and to thy memory shall be just, and by a flame from thy blest genius lent, rescue us from our dull imprisonment, Unsequester our fancies, and create a worth that may upon thy glories wait. We then shall understand thee, and descry the splendour of restored poetry. Till then let no bold hand profane thy shrine, tis high wit treason to debase thy coin. 52. Mr. Francis Finch, The Excellent Palamon This is confessed presumption. For had I all that rich stock of ingenuity which I could wish for this, yet would it be Palamon's blot, a pious injury. But as no votaries are scorned when they the meanest victim in religion pay, not that the power they worship needs a gum, but that they speak their thanks for all with some, so though the most contemptible of all that do themselves Palamon's servants call, I know that zeal is more than sacrifice, for God did not the widow's might despise, and that Palamon hath divinity, and mercy is his highest property. He that doth such transcendent merit own, must have imperfect offerings or none. He's one rich lustre which doth raise dispense, as knowledge will when set in innocence. For learning did select his noble breast, where, in her native majesty, to rest free from the tyranny and pride of schools, who have confined her to pedantic rules, and that genteeler error which does take offence at learning for her habit's sake. Palamon hath redeemed her, who may be esteemed himself an university, and yet so much a gentleman, that he needs not, though he enjoys, a pedigree. Sure he was built and sent to let us know, what man completed could both be and do. Freedom from vice is in him nature's part, without the help of discipline or art. He's his own happiness and his own law, whereby he keeps passion and fate in awe. Nor was this wrought in him by time and growth, his genius had anticipated both. Had all men been Palamon's, pride had ne'er taught one man tyranny, the other fear. Ambition had been full as monstrous then, as this ill world doth render worthy men. Had men his spirit, they would soon forbear, grovelling for dirt and quarrelling for air. Were his harmonious soul diffused in all, we should believe that men did never fall. It is Palamon's soul that hath engrossed the ingenuous candour that the world hath lost, whose own mind seats him quiet, safe, and high, above the reach of time or destiny. Twas he that rescued gasping friendship, when the bell tolled for her funeral with men. Twas he that made friends more than lovers burn, and then made love to sacred friendship turn. Twas he turned honour inward, set her free from titles and from popularity. Now fixed to virtue, 
she begs praise of none, but's witnessed and rewarded both at home. And in his breast this honour so enshrined, as the old law was in the ark confined, to which posterity shall all consent, and less dispute than acts of Parliament, he's our original, by whom we see how much we fail, and what we ought to be. But why do I to copy him pretend? My rhymes but libel whom they would commend. Tis true, but none can reach what's set so high, and though I miss, I've noble company, for the most happy language must confess, it doth obscure Palamon, not express. 53. To Mrs. M. A. At Parting I have examined, and do find, of all that favour me, there's none I grieve to leave behind, but only, only thee. To part with thee I needs must die, could parting separate thee and I. But neither chance nor compliment did element our love, T'was sacred sympathy was lent us from the choir above. That friendship fortune did create, still fears a wound from time or fate. Our changed and mingled souls are grown to such acquaintance now, That if each would resume their own, alas, we know not how. We have each other so engrossed, that each is in the union lost. And thus we can no absence know, nor shall we be confined. Our active souls will daily go to learn each other's mind. Nay, should we never meet to sense, our souls would hold intelligence. Inspired with a flame divine, I scorn to court a stay. For from that noble soul of thine I ne'er can be away. But I shall weep when thou dost grieve, nor can I die whilst thou dost live. By my own temper I shall guess at thy felicity, and only like my happiness, because it pleaseth thee. Our hearts at any time will tell if thou or I be sick or well. All honour sure I must pretend, all that is good or great. She that would be Rosania's friend, must be at least complete. If I have any bravery, tis cause I have so much of thee. Thy leaguer soul in me shall lie, and all thy thoughts reveal, Then back again with mine shall fly, and thence to me shall steal, Thus still to one another tend, such is the sacred name of friend. Thus our twin souls in one shall grow, and teach the world new love, Redeem the age and sex, and show a flame fate dares not move, and courting death to be our friend, our lives together too shall end. Adieu shall dwell upon our tomb of such a quality, that fighting armies thither come shall reconciled be. We'll ask no epitaph, but say, Orinda and Rosania. 54. To my dearest Antenor, on his parting. Though it be just to grieve when I must part with him that is the guardian of my heart, yet by a happy change the loss of mine is with advantage paid in having thine. And I, by that dear guest instructed, find absence can do no hurt to souls combined. As we were born to love, brought to agree by the impressions of divine decree, so when united nearer we became, it did not weaken, but increase our flame. Unlike to those who distant joys admire, but slight them when possessed of their desire. 
Each of our souls did its own temper fit, and in the other's mould so fashioned it, that now our inclinations both are grown, like to our interests and persons, one. And souls whom such an union fortifies, passion can ne'er destroy, nor fate surprise. Now, as in watches, though we do not know, when the hand moves, we find it still doth go, so I, by secret sympathy inclined, will absent meet, and understand thy mind. And thou at thy return shalt find thy heart still safe, with all the love thou didst impart. For though that treasure I have ne'er deserved, it shall with strong religion be preserved. And besides this thou shalt in me survey thyself reflected while thou art away. For what some forward arts do undertake, the images of absent friends to make, and represent their actions in a glass, friendship itself can only bring to pass that magic which both fate and time beguiles, and in a moment runs a thousand miles. So in my breast thy picture drawn shall be, my guide, life, object, friend, and destiny. And none shall know, though they employ their wit, which is the right Antinor, thou or it. 55. Engraven on Mr. John Collier's tombstone at Bedlington. Here what remains of him doth lie, who was the world's epitome, religion's darling, merchant's glory, men's true delight, and virtue's story, who, though a prisoner to the grave, a glorious freedom once shall have, till when no monument is fit, but what's beyond our love and wit. 56. On the little Regina Collier, on the same tombstone. Virtue's blossom, beauty's bud, the pride of all that's fair and good, by death's fierce hand was snatched hence, in her state of innocence, who by it this advantage gains, her wages got without her pains. 57. Friendship. Let the dull, brutish world that know not love, continue heretics, and disapprove that noble flame, but the refined know, tis all the heaven we have here below. Nature subsists by love, and they do tie things to their causes but by sympathy. Love chains the different elements in one great harmony, linked to the heavenly throne, and as on earth, so the blessed choir above of saints and angels are maintained by love. That is their business and felicity, and will be so to all eternity. That is the ocean. Our affections here are but streams borrowed from the fountain there. And tis the noblest argument to prove a beauteous mind, that it knows how to love. Those kind impressions which fate can't control, are heaven's mintage on a worthy soul. For love is all the art's epitome, and is the sum of all divinity. He's worse than beast that cannot love, and yet is not bought for money, pains, or wit. For no chance or design can spirits move, but the eternal destiny of love. And when two souls are changed and mixed so, it is what they and none but they can do. This, this is friendship that abstracted flame, which grovelling mortals know not how to name. All love is sacred, and the marriage-tie hath much of honour and divinity, but lust, design, or some unworthy ends may mingle there, which are despised by friends. 
Passion hath violent extremes, and thus all oppositions are contiguous. So when the end is served, their love will bait, if friendship make it not more fortunate. Friendship, that love's elixir, that pure fire, which burns the clearer cause it burns the higher. For love, like earthly fires, which will decay if the material fuel be away, is with offensive smoke accompanied, and by resistance only is supplied. But friendship, like the fiery element, with its own heat and nourishment content, where neither hurt nor smoke nor noise is made, scorns the assistance of a foreign aid. Friendship, like heraldry, is hereby known, richest when plainest, bravest when alone, calm as a virgin, and more innocent than sleeping doves are, and as much content as saints in visions, quiet as the night, but clear and open as the summer's light, united more than spirits' faculties, higher in thoughts than are the eagle's eyes. What shall I say, when we true friends are grown, we are alike, alas, we are alike ourselves alone. 58. THE ENQUIRY if we no old historian's name authentic will admit, But think all said of friendship's fame but poetry or wit, Yet what's revered by mind so pure must be a bright idea sure. But as our immortality by inward sense we find, Judging that if it could not be, it would not be designed, So here how could such copies fall if there were no original? But if truth be an ancient song, or story we believe, If the inspired and graver throng have scorned to deceive, There have been hearts whose friendship gave them thoughts at once both soft and brave. Among that consecrated few, some more seraphic shade, Lend me a favourable clue, now mists my eyes invade. Why, having filled the world with fame, left you so little of your flame? Why is't so difficult to see two bodies and one mind? And why are those who else agree so differently kind? Hath nature such fantastic art that she can vary every heart? Why are the bands of friendship tied with so remiss a knot, That by the most it is defied, and by the rest forgot? Why do we step with so light sense from friendship to indifference? If friendship sympathy impart, why this ill-shuffled game, That heart can never meet with heart, or flame encounter flame? What does this cruelty create? Is't the intrigue of love or fate? Had friendship ne'er been known to men, the ghost at last confessed, The world had been a stranger then to all that heaven possessed. But could it all be here acquired, not heaven itself would be desired. 59. To my Lucasia, in defence of a declared friendship. O oh, my Lucasia, let us speak our love, And think not that impertinent can be, Which to us both doth such assurance prove, And whence we find how justly we agree. Before we knew the treasures of our love, Our noble aims our joys did entertain, And shall enjoyment nothing then improve? T'were best for us then to begin again. Now we have gained, we must not stop and sleep out all the rest of our mysterious reign. It is as hard and glorious to keep a victory as it is to obtain. Nay, to what end did we once barter minds only to know and to neglect the claim? Or like some wantons, our pride, pleasure finds, to throw away the thing at which we aim? If this be all our friendship does design, we covet not enjoyment then, but power. 
To our opinion we our bliss confine, And love to have, but not to smell, the flower. Ah, then let misers bury thus their gold, Who though they starve, no farthing will produce. But we loved to enjoy, and to behold, And sure we cannot spend our stock by use. Think not tis needless to repeat desires, The fervent turtles always court and bill, And yet their spotless passion never tires, But does increase by repetition still. Although we know we love, yet while our soul Is thus imprisoned by the flesh we wear, There's no way left that bondage to control, But to convey transactions through the ear. Nay, though we read our passions in the eye, It will oblige and please to tell them too. Such joys as these by motion multiply, Were it but to find that our souls told us true. Believe not, then, that being now secure Of either's heart we have no more to do. The spheres themselves by motion do endure, And they move on by circulation too. And as a river, when it once hath paid The tribute which it to the ocean owes, Stops not, but turns, and having curled and played On its own waves, the shore it overflows. So the soul's motion does not end in bliss, But on herself she scatters and dilates, And on the object doubles till by this She finds new joys which that reflux creates. But then because it cannot all contain, It seeks event by telling the glad news. First to the heart which did its joys obtain, Then to the heart which did those joys produce. When my soul, then, doth such excursions make, Unless thy soul delight to meet it too, What satisfaction can it give or take, Thou being absent at the interview? Tis not distrust, for were that plea allowed, Letters and visits all would useless grow. Love's whole expression, then, would be its cloud, And it would be refined to nothing so. If I distrust, tis my own worth for thee, Tis my own fitness for a love like thine, And therefore still new evidence would see, To assure my wonder that thou canst be mine. But as the morning sun to drooping flowers, As weary travellers a shade do find, As to the parched violet evening showers, Such is from thee to me a look that's kind. But when that look is dressed in words, Tis like the mystic power of music's unison, which when the finger doth one vial strike, The other's string heaves to reflection. Be kind to me, and just then to our love, To which we owe our free and dear converse, And let not tract of time wear or remove it From the privilege of that commerce. Tyrants do banish what they can't requite, But let us never know such mean desires, But to be grateful to that love delight, Which all our joys and noble thoughts inspires. 60. A Reverie A chosen privacy, a cheap content, And all the peace of friendship ever lent, A rock which civil nature made a seat, A willow that repulses all the heat, The beauteous quiet of a summer's day, a brook which sobbed aloud and ran away, Invited my repose, and then conspired To entertain my fancy thus retired. As Lucian's ferryman aloft did view The angry world, and then laughed at it too, So all its sullen follies seemed to me But as a too well-acted tragedy. One dangerous ambition doth befool, Another envies to see that man rule, One makes his love the parent of his rage, For private friendship publicly to engage. And some for conscience, some for honour die, And some are meanly killed, they know not why, 
more different than men's faces are their ends, whom yet one common ruin can make friends. Death, dust, and darkness they have only one, and hastily unto their periods run. Death is a leveller, beauty, and kings, and conquerors, and all those glorious things are tumbled to their graves in one rude heap, like common dust as quiet and as cheap. At greater changes, who would wonder then, since kingdoms have their fates as well as men? They must fall sick and die, nothing can be in this world certain, but uncertainty. Since power and greatness are such slippery things, who'd pity cottages or envy kings? Now least of all, when weary of deceit, the world no longer flatters with the great, though such confusions here below we find, as providence were wanton with mankind. Yet in this chaos some things do send forth, like jewels in the dark, a native worth. He that derives his high nobility, not from the mention of a pedigree, who thinks it not his praise that others know his ancestors were gallant long ago, who scorns to boast the glories of his blood, and thinks he can't be great that is not good, who knows the world and what we pleasure call, yet cannot sell one conscience for them all, who hates to hoard that gold with an excuse, for which he can find out a nobler use, who dares not keep that life that he can spend to serve his God, his country, and his friend, who flattery and falsehood doth so hate, he would not bury ten lives at such a rate, whose soul then diamonds more rich and clear, naked and open as his face doth wear, who dares be good alone in such a time, when virtue's held and punished as a crime, who thinks dark crooked plots a mean defence, and is both safe and wise in innocence, who dares both fight and die, but dares not fear, whose only doubt is if his cause be clear, whose courage and his justice equal worn can dangers grapple, overcome and scorn, yet not insult upon a conquered foe, but can forgive him and oblige him too, whose friendship is congenial with his soul, who where he gives a heart bestows it whole, whose other ties and titles here do end, or buried or completed in the friend who ne'er resumes the soul he once did give, while his friend's honesty and honour live, and if his friend's content could cost the price, would count himself a happy sacrifice, whose happy days no pride infects, nor can his other titles make him slight the man, no dark ambitious thoughts do cloud his brow, nor restless cares when to be great, and how, who scorns to envy wealth where'er it be, but pity such a golden slavery, with no mean fawnings can the people court, nor wholly slight a popular report, whose house no orphan groans do shake or blast, nor any riot help to serve his taste, who from the top of his prosperities can take a fall, and yet without surprise, who with the same august and even state can entertain the best and worst of fate, whose sufferings sweet, if honour once adorn it, whose lights revenge, yet does not fear, but scorn it, whose happiness in every fortune lives, for that no fortune either takes or gives, who no unhandsome ways can bribe his fate, nay, out of prison marches through the gate, who losing all his titles and his pelf, nay, all the world can never lose himself. This person shines indeed, and he that can be virtuous is the great immortal man. End of part six.